Welcome to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group, the podcast for tech industry leaders and aspiring leaders focusing on extraordinary teams. I say this every time, but of course, we're still virtual. I'm at home in Bucks. Vicky's in deepest, darkest Oxfordshire. Shah's over in the Netherlands. Shah, do you want to lead us in and tell us what we're going to cover in today's episode? So the topic today is having the courage to prepare for scale in a hypergrowth company. I'm going to introduce Andy Bryars, but before I do, I want to just say how I personally know Andy. So I met Andy probably two years ago now. I am privileged to be part of a global mentoring program where they match executives to uh, mentees. I love doing it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I was introduced to Andy through that program. And we had such a great um, chemistry from from the start, I think. And I know that Andy would be fantastic on this podcast, not only because of his experiences with understanding how to bring teams together and how important that is for working in a hypergrowth company. You know, that that's basically where he started with our coaching is how can I galvanize my team and uh, how can I be a better leader? Um, so I'm thrilled to have Andy on here today. And I know this is going to be a great podcast. So Andy, with that, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of potted history, fairly high level about um, your career. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, really excited to be involved in this. So I, I actually uh, did a a generalist degree in politics back, uh, graduated back in 1992. Uh, I guess I was lucky enough back then that we didn't have to specialise. And I had no idea what I wanted to do in my career, although I did enjoy talking to people and I, I sort of fancied a, a delve into the sales. But a lot of my friends wanted to be doctors, lawyers, accountants. So I ended up getting a role at Specialist Computer Centre, SCC, and it was the first role they took on as a sales support. It was a really good grounding for my future career. Um, I ended up managing complex multi-million pound contracts. And this is where I learned a lot of my account management skills, which I'll come back to in terms of what I do now. And then I joined a small consultancy organization called SISEC, and I learned so much here. Um, I got involved in specializing in IT security and in particular uh, identity assurance. And we was an um, agnostic organization providing consultancy services. At that time, it's interesting because I always wanted to work closer to the source so for the vendor. But I think looking back, I had eight, eight years there and I did a lot, of, I wore a lot of different hats. Um, and I think a lot of my skills that I developed as a manager, I practiced here. Um, but it's only looking back around that. From there, I did actually go to work for an identity access management vendor called Kerrion, um, which subsequently got acquired by Core Security. But while I was competing uh, with other vendors in that space, uh, I kept bumping into Okta. Um, and I was lucky enough to join Okta when it was pre-IPO. Uh, it floated in 2017. Uh, actually, it was a unicorn. So when it hit the stock market, it was valued over a billion dollars. Um, and it specialised in identity as a service, and, and that was six years ago. Uh, so that's a, a brief history of, uh, yeah, sort of where I started and what I'm doing at the minute. Pretty cool journey. Brilliant. Look forward to getting into a bit more detail. So, Vicky, do you want to give us a bit of background as to why we've asked Andy to join us and, and talk about uh, preparing for the future and scaling up companies really, really quickly? Thanks, Sam. 
I am so delighted that Andy's on the podcast today because we're going to talk about a topic that is really at the heart of what we do at the Amplified Group. And I've used the word heart deliberately because we're going to talk about the health and fitness and not of individuals, but actually of teams. When we first set up the Amplified Group, we learned a lot about organisational health and McKinsey has the Organisational Health Index, OHI. But for us, when we think of health, we don't think of energy or speed or dynamism. And actually, if you look at the difference between health and fitness, then health is defined as a state of complete mental, physical and social well-being. But fitness is the ability to meet the demands of the environment. And that really resonated with us because, well, you know, we've talked about the pace of change before and particularly in the tech industry, you've got to be able to adapt and change as an organisation if you're going to continue to experience the hyper growth or take advantage of new opportunities. And actually to combat that inevitable bump in the road that's going to come at some point and you need to be able to keep up the momentum and the energy because all too often as companies grow, inertia creeps in and then the productivity gains of hiring new talent is lost and we've seen this time and again in tech companies that go through IPO and grow and scale and then things start to slow down. And so when we first started working with Andy's team it's really really important to know that it was a healthy team already but what we've done is we've focused on the team's fitness and we've been able to put the entire team into training and so that they are agile and able to adapt to change and so that this becomes muscle memory within the team and so that they can keep that great shape that they're in and continue to enjoy long-term success. You know, and it's all very good me talking about the theory here. So I'm just delighted that Andy's going to be able to share what we've been working on together. Great. Thanks, Vicky. Um, so, Andy, let's start with Okta. I mean, I know Okta from my days at Softcat. You know, I, I guess um, you were maybe a bit of an up-and-comer in the UK space and certainly making some significant progress. But it'd be good to get a bit more background on the organisation, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. So um, we're headquartered in San Francisco. Uh, as I say, we've been going 11 years now. Uh, and we've got presence, strong presence in America, as you'd expect, but we're growing in uh, APAC and EMEA. And, and my responsibility is for that EMEA region. Uh, so it covers a classic approach of uh, building a hub in UK and Ireland to start off with. Uh, we've got presence in France, Germany, Netherlands, uh, Nordics, and we're reaching out. We've got significant opportunities in the Middle East and Africa as well. Um, we're one of the fastest growing tech companies. Uh, and at the minute, our growth is nearing 45% year on year, which is a phenomenal um, you know, growth pattern. I've never worked at an organization that is growing so fast, even the current climate. Um, Especially for a, a, you know, a pretty well-established organization now, isn't it? You, know, you expect that kind of growth in full-on startup mode, but you guys have been around a while now. Yeah, and one of the one of the challenges we've got, and Charles Race, our worldwide president, talks about this. But um, we set up the Amir operations seven years ago, uh, and I've personally been on board six years, so it's really good to see the changes and the growth. But one of the challenges is is how do we get the international business uh, growing at a faster rate than the U.S. business? 
Um, so that is one of the key focuses as we move into our next financial year, which starts uh, February next year. Um, so yeah, you're exactly right, Sam. That is, uh, it's interesting to see that. Um, my boss, Bob Burke, he, he's the VP of what we call customer first. So that's anything post sales. And I run the customer success team. And we'll, we'll probably loop back and go into a bit more detail on that. But he was a customer in the US. Um, he's, he's actually got a, an Italian wife. He got, he got the role as the first customer success manager in Okta in, in the US. And then he relocated to build the customer first team in EMEA. So we've sort of got a part of the original Okta DNA in EMEA. And Bob's been phenomenal at building out that customer first team. And that covers everything post-sales. So effectively in a SaaS company, that's really important because that number grows larger and not larger every year. Um, my responsibilities in customer success and that of my team is really to drive adoption, make sure that customers are using what they've bought. That's our primary task. Uh, secondly, if we get that right, the customers should renew. So that means we're reducing churn. Um, and really the way we do that is we act as a trusted advisor um, to the customer. We are looking for what we call cross-sell and upsell, but only when it's right and appropriate and only when it's adding value to that customer. Um, and in terms of how we operate, a bit like a spider's web. So we like to see ourselves in the middle. We're the ones that coordinate the resources, uh, try and untangle the politics, both internally and externally, and really focus on what makes that customer successful. Um, so, um, you know, we, we're going to talk about cultural fit. Um, but sometimes I've got to remind my team who they work for. Uh, and what I mean by that is I'll get team members what are really passionate about the customer. And, uh, you know, it's my job to make sure we're representing what's right for Okta as well. Um, but in a, in a software as a service organization, customer success and our role is, is, is really important. And we're really lucky at Okta that uh, we talk about things coming top down, but um, Todd McKinnon, our founder, and Freddie Carest, our co-founder, they basically um, sort of made their reputation and name at Salesforce. And that was the first large CRM that was a SaaS organization. And they really embedded the, uh, the importance of customer success. And that DNA is in our culture now. So we have got um, our own profit and loss and we report direct into the board. So, you know, love our customers and making sure that is core to our values is, is really important to Okta and, and to our team as well. I love that customer, customer first thing and actually, you know, really embedding it in the organization by having a VP of customer first. I've never heard that before, but that's a, a really cool concept. Just make sure everybody's, everybody understands how important it is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we interview a lot of candidates because we're growing so fast and it's not all organizations that look at customer success in this way. It's sort of a bolt-on to sales. It's yeah. often not a chargeable service. In Okta, uh, we realize the value and it is a chargeable service, but um, we, we know that um, you know, it gives returns tenfold to the customer as yeah. well. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. You know, if you, if you have too much churn, you lose your customers and you lose the organizational value pretty quickly. So the more you can solidify all that stuff, the better. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about how you came to meet 
Sean Vicky, what's the story there? How do you get involved with these two? Yeah, so one thing uh, Ox is very good at is investing in its people. Uh, and I was lucky enough uh, for Bob uh, to recommend me to what we call the Top Talent Programme. Um, and this was back in, I want to say, 2018. Um, and... Uh, and effectively, this is where I got connected through the Everwise program, which is the mentoring program I talked about earlier. It was an invaluable to me because especially since I was starting my career in what I'm calling formal management and I actually started, I guess, the point of reference. I started as an individual contributor in that team and then I stepped up to manager. Um, so through that Everwise program, I was able just for somebody outside of Okta uh, to sort of have some thinking space uh, and Shah's very good at asking me difficult questions that I probably wouldn't ask myself um, and it was a sounding board as well I'm quite structured in our, our work and I quite like tangible frameworks or assets as I call them that I can apply to everyday tasks actually one of the things I found challenging in this in the first few sessions is it was also to be about personal development as me as a manager. And I spent 85% of the time talking about the team and developing the team because um, I wanted to make it uh, practical. Um, and it was through this process that um, the Amplify group introduced me to Patrick. And we're going to come on and talk about how we're using the five dysfunctions of the team and some of the DISC assessments we've been doing as well. Thanks, Andy. And one of the first things we had to do, which I always do with the people that I mentor is, is build trust. And we had this trust continuum, as I called it, you know, where do we feel on trust? And I think we already in the first session, we were up to about six, but we very, very quickly got up to 10. It actually quickly turned into what Andy was going to be able to do when he developed himself to pass that on to his team. So it, it was eventually about your team and how you developed that. And when I decided at that point that you liked Patrick Lencioni and the five behaviors and things I was talking about, which were natural for me to talk about because we, we moved on to teamwork. It was at that point when you asked me to help you with that, that I said, I felt that was a conflict of interest in the way that you know we had a personal relationship. And so I handed the baton over to Vicky who has been doing an amazing job working with your team. And I'm sure we're going to uh, go on and talk about that in lots of detail. But it, it was the fact that, you know, we talked earlier about the, uh, the word courage, but it was the fact that you had the courage to recognize that you want to develop yourself first so that you could then hand that over to developing your team. So uh, all kudos to you. And I had a great time doing it. And in fact, it's turned full circle because I did one year with you and um, when the programme came back around again, uh, they kindly asked me to come back in and mentor you again. And now we're doing something very different and uh, and enjoying it all over again. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it, how it played out. And, um, you know, to give you an idea of, of the growth, I think when we first spoke, I had three members of the team, four, and now I've got 16. Um, yeah. So it's growing phenomenally. It's really important that we continue to invest in our people and support the team. Um, and as I said, I quite like being structured. So for me, following some of the things in the five dysfunctions of a team gave us that grounding and that foundation 
that we could continue to work on our on our team health, as we should call it. Um, so I think the five dysfunctions was a really good way um, of baselining where we were. Uh, and in particular, and it, again, it was the Amplifier Group that gave me this idea that we wanted to assess everybody um, and we chose the DISC framework in order to do that. And it gave us a really good common foundation that we could engage with our team members and understand how they wanted information to be delivered or received and what types of people they were and how we could best communicate with them. So it's almost like a self-awareness um, of how we could better like work with our counterparts. So everybody knew now coming into the team as a disc assessment, we share that and it's very top of mind in trying to incorporate it into our, our daily routine and work. Um, so as we've moved forward from doing that baseline of, uh, uh, of the five dysfunctions and, and Vicky stepped in to do a, a two day workshop at the end of 2019, can't believe that's now 12 months uh, uh, from where we are today. Um, what we did is we agreed on a number of core areas that as a team we thought was the most significant to help us scale in the future. Um, and we've been working through that through 2020, an uh, interesting period with the pandemic, but it's really helped us unify and focus on what's important. Um, because I benefited so much from the personal and mentoring from Shah, um, I really wanted some of my um, leaders in my team, such as Tony, Jamie and Frank, to benefit from what I'd done. And what we've done is we've worked with the Amplify group to get Vicky to step up to mentor those. Uh, and I'm finding the, the benefits of that are invaluable um, because of the output that we're now getting and the sort of core focus we got within the team. Yeah, and Andy, let me just jump in there to, you know, for the people that are listening, just to kind of explain that what we we call this a process, this methodology, a process. So the process is starting with a personality profile like DISC. The DISC assessment holds up that mirror and tells you who you are and how you can adapt your personality potentially to other members of your team. And the five behaviors is just based on five very simple principles. So we always start with trust. Then we look at once you have trust within the team, you're able to have open, robust conflict, productive conflict. After that point, then you are able to think about how can we as a team commit to areas of project or programs or whatever it might be. How can we then hold each other accountable, which is the, the fourth? And then how can we then together have collective results? And by building on that foundation of trust as you, journey, you know, started your journey on the five behaviors with your team, you actually then can start to build up to having those collective results. So that's really what the principles are. And I thought I'd just drop it in there before um, we carry on because it's important that maybe people don't know anything about the five dysfunctions and Patrick Lencioni, but that's the model that we build our framework on, but it's not necessarily what we follow letter by letter. It's not cookie cutter. So what we did with your team is we come in and we say, Okay, this team in particular needs to be 
focusing on maybe mentoring a couple of members of your team. So you working with Vicky, and I know Vicky will go on and talk about this, had realized that that would be the best place to focus. So that was part of the program we did with you, layered on top of the five dysfunctions workshop that we did with the entire team. So uh, just wanted to place that. So Sam, I know you had a, que a question for Andy um, around that as well. Yeah, Andy, I just wanted to know where, you know, why it became apparent that it was important to you as a manager to benchmark the team against some sort of method. I mean, in particular, the five Bs. Yeah, good question, Sam. So, I mean, when I took on that role as a manager, and I've never been a, a formal manager before, you think you're doing an okay job, but um, that's your good feel. And as I say, I'm quite structured. So as soon as I start to understand um, sort of the significance of what the five dysfunctions would give us, it give us an independent baseline um, and actually give us a North Star or sort of guiding reference that all the team could understand and look towards. And, you know, cultural fit going through that process is now our number one priority. When you start with such a small team, what's passionate about customer success, it's really concentrated. So one of the challenges we all had is the more people you add to that in, you know, there's a thought process that you might dilute that. Uh, and as uh, Vicky and, and Shara have said in their previous experiences, when you're in a hyper growth company, maintaining that culture has got to be your number one priority. I think the five dysfunctions gives us this. I was really pleasantly surprised when Vicky showed me the initial results that when we looked at the, uh, the trust, conflict, commitment, accountability, and results, that triangle, um, we was fairly healthy, but that just meant that uh, we needed to continue to invest in this. Um, it's a bit like going to the gym. If you don't go that frequently, you're gonna lose some of your muscles. So we are always keeping this top of mind. I actually have in my team, my own sort of vision of a triangle, and it's more to do with how we turn up for work. So at the base of the triangle, what takes most of our time, it's, it's our core responsibilities. But the reason we come to work is to collaborate and you know interact with our colleagues and our customers. So that middle bit is the collaboration. But what I'm really driving as well, and I think the five dysfunctions provides us this framework is I'm driving the team to individually contribute. And this is the top of the triangle, what we call reusable assets or individual contributions, because this builds their individual brand within the business, but it also builds our team brand within the organization. So that's sort of the ethos everybody's got. And whilst we grow in a diverse team, like my job is to extract the great talent we got within that team, but also to empower them. And this sort of gave us a framework, not just me, but gave the team a framework that we could uh, sort of lobby around. So, so Andy, the, the thing that I love about working with your team was, as you say, you were in really good shape to start with when we first did that baselining exercise. The team was in a good place, but you recognised that as you grow and the business and the market opportunity expands and you've got more and more demands on the team, then you need to be able to keep that health and fitness that you've got within the team already. And you recognize that actually you can't just take it for granted. And I think many organizations get so focused on the growth and on the number that they don't take care 
of actually the thing that help is going to help them get there. And and that's why it's been it's been so brilliant to work with the team. And I think where you've got to with uh, you know the, the conversations that I'm having with the team now, it's all about team. And it's all about them supporting each other and looking about what else they can do. And, I, you know, I've got another conversation coming up um, that I'm really looking forward to this week where one of the team that I'm working with is actually he draws his plan. He's that, that motivated that the, 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 the page just comes alive with ideas. And I think you, you've said that it's those ideas are really feeding the energy of the team now. Yeah, and I'm smiling, Vicky, because every I know that when my team's had a chat with you, because they come back with loads of ideas, loads of great ideas. But what's really interesting as well is I'm seeing the confidence grow because they're not only sharing their ideas, they're owning it, they're driving the execution of these. Um, and yeah, I'll come on and talk about a few of those examples. But I think to me, what's really important is how we measure this and how we hold ourselves accountable. So, so Vicky, in particular, you give us a really good uh, concept to this uh, monthly survey. And we agreed in that workshop at the end of 2019, some of the values that we thought was important to us. And, and so these values are things like, uh, are we making time to review what's working or what's not? Um, have we always got somebody playing devil's advocate uh, to prevent group thinking in a, in a meeting? Um, do we continue to point out one another's contributions? Do we share our vulnerabilities and ask for help? Are we considering our dish styles? Um, and are, are we actively supporting each other by giving feedback? And every month, um, Vicky collates this scorecard. Um, and we've been doing this now for the last six months and it's really interesting, but it keeps it top of mind and it, it makes this uh, something that is, is, is you, we use every day. And then when you let that in with the disc assessments that everybody's getting. So every time we've got a new member, we, we have a bit of a guessing game on where they are in the, in the disc profile. And by lucky chance, we've probably got everybody in that disc in the different segments, which is, uh, yeah, just just by chance that. But that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I think it's a I think it's a good point that you don't hire on disc and you don't use disc as part of the hiring process. But what you're doing is you're using it afterwards to help understand and do that team map so that you can see where where everybody else is around the disc, because I think disc for me I like it because it's not just about the individual, it's about the team and you can see where everybody else is on the team and then you can understand each other's approaches and, and accommodate that. So that's, that's where the magic comes in. And I think your, your team has experienced that firsthand, haven't they? And what we're trying to get to is, is with this dashboard that you've just been talking about, is making this muscle memory. So we will get to the point where you don't need me to do this dashboard anymore because it's just ingrained into the team in such a way that when you bring the new people on and when you do your um, mentoring program that I'm sure we're going to come on to that it's the way you work as a team yeah and I, I think to me we we laid the foundations now and the fruits of our success are now coming in that senior members of the team are now taking the baton to get the best results from the team as well. It's not coming from me, it's coming from everybody. 
Uh, and we are developing new talent and we're coaching existing talent. Um, and, you know, in our team, I guess, the average age for Octa is quite old. We're all in our, a lot of us are in our 40s. And uh, I guess at this age, we're getting, we get more um, value um, and sort of recognition by helping other people in their careers. Uh, and I think we got uh, the roles we do, we got a great way to build. We call it sort of a coaching academy, but like a football academy where we can take people and we can develop their careers uh, based on, on what we do. So to bring that to life a bit and to give you some ideas of, of Vicky, based on your mentoring in the team, some ideas of what we're doing, we have put together a formal coaching program where the more senior people in the team are helping develop the, uh, the, the up and coming talent within the team. We're also looking at a model for feedback um, and Vicky's uh, given us a, a deficit model, uh, which basically uh, describe evidence, feeling, implication, and contribution intent, so that we got a consistent way that we can provide uh, feedback to our teams. Um, and then I'm also seeing huge uptake in what I'm calling headquarter initiatives, where we're working with different teams like data and analytics, where we're redefining the global role of customer success within Okta, um, and how we're better aligned to work with the large, world's largest organizations. So all these initiatives are being led by HQ, but my team now has had the confidence to step up and start really driving changes in, in Okta. Um, it's a bit like, I called it the, if you've ever seen uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice by Walt Disney, um, it's, a, it's a bit like a good version of that, where he's um, carrying the buckets of water multiple times. Is All our team now is carrying their own buckets of water, if that makes sense. <laughs> Looking at teams, talk, talk to us about hiring and retaining talent. Obviously, as you grow, uh, that's important. From my experience at Softcat, getting the right people on the bus is mega important from the point of view of delivering excellent customer service i imagine you had a similar uh, similar sort of experience yeah uh it, yeah it's a really good question sam and um i'm smiling again because uh coming from a sales background i don't think you really the right uh aptitude to actually interview people because i end up selling to them and why octa so such a cool place to work um <laughs> but, i could see that i i used to do yeah. the same thing uh, <laughs> you know i, I kind of felt actually that you know, an interview is a two-way street. You are also hoping that you convince the person that you're interviewing to join you, assuming that you, you want, them, want them to join you. And, I, you know, I found myself doing exactly the same thing at Softcat, you know, evangelizing how, how great the place it is um, in the hope that, that these people would join us and become part of our crazy bunch. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And, um, and, and recruitment is our number one priority. It's a top of mind for our team and it, it takes a lot of time. But based on our growth plans for 2021, uh, yeah, we are constantly interviewing, building pipeline. We've got a pretty robust process. Uh, it's time consuming for everybody on the team and it's quite democratic as well. So we are working to refine that and sort of make it more efficient. Um, the the sort of essential criteria that we look for in candidates um, is that cultural fit. So what we mean by that is they've got to be transparent, open, 
willingness to listen, active participation and a, a team first approach. And out of everything, so, you know, the other things we're looking at is we call it being enterprise ready, but to have the experience that we can put them in front of a very large customer without them knowing anything about Okta and they'd be able to hold their ground. Um, obviously, their customer success or service management background is important. Their technical knowledge is important. Um, but that essential criteria of being uh, basically, you know, somebody who's able to have a conversation with an administrator all the way through to C-level is the types of individual that we're looking for. Um, and to your point, Sam, is we want this interview process to be a good experience for both parties because uh, we are representing Okta. If they're not successful, we want them to be, you know, still have had a good experience. Uh, so we are to that point streamlining and moving towards more competency-based skills matrix, which you could argue we should have been there already. Um, my, my argument is um, I'd rather be cautious because it's expensive if you get it wrong. Um, and I am proud to say that um, we are... Um, at the minute, uh, 16 strong, and uh, in the last six years, nobody's left that team. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's a really... That's the result. Yeah, acid test. So, yeah, um, and I think we got a, a good plan to make sure we develop the talent within that team or within the organisation to that point. I was just going to say, I think that's an absolute testament to your leadership there, Andy. The conversations that I have with your team and how much they appreciate the way you lead the team you lead by example including now I'm pleased to say not sending emails late at night yeah. and not sending emails at the weekend yeah I, I do think we're really lucky at Okta that we're well supported so not only are they supporting the Amplify Group program within my team uh, we got continuous development with what we call an individual development plan or an IDP so that could be a combination of hands-on support. It's formal training courses from our learning and development team. We've actually got a, a tool called Udemy and it gives you anything from how to install a Windows server if you wanted to know that, to play a guitar. It's amazing doing yoga. So it doesn't have to be academic. Um, and so we build up uh, individual development plans to make sure that we're taking the, every individual and we're developing them in where they want to go, not just where we think they should go within that. Um, and that's really important that, and we review that quarterly in a formal uh, sort of setting. Yeah, I just have to say that when um, when we did this second round of mentoring Andy together, and um, and I won't go into what your goals are specifically, but one of them is to think about you know what you personally want to do now and develop, and we weren't we didn't have to look very far because Okta is you know talking about an amazing organization they really represent what we call a high trust culture organization they understand and value and invest in the people and we just had to look to that system and say okay you want to improve your presentation skills or you want to have some speech coaching whatever it was we found it there we looked at it together and I was amazed the breadth of, of uh, things that the L&D team, your L&D team have, have put into that system. So all kudos to them. Um, you know, they, they, there's no, they, that's probably why you 
are retaining the people you're retaining because they don't need to look further to develop themselves. It's a, it's a great organization. I'm, I'm always um, continuously impressed with, with what they do there. So, yeah. So Andy, do you think you've got there? Can you stop all this or have you still got work to do? <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could say that, Sam. But I, I think, <laughs> Would it, wouldn't it be lovely? <laughs> you know what? I think we're just beginning. Uh, I honestly believe that. Um, there's so much more to do. There's always room for improvement. Um, and I think we got very high expectations, as we should do as a team. Um, you know, this year's been difficult with the pandemic. We've been incredibly lucky. The types of solutions we deliver is actually probably assisted us because we help people work remotely you know from any any place anywhere anytime so you know it's not impacted our business but we are very mindful of what this pandemic's done to other sectors and other organizations um so our expectations are high and we've had to balance like the personal challenges because you know eight out of the 16 people in my team have young children so they've had to handle childcare. they might have workspace issues that you know you don't not everybody's lucky enough to have their own office at home so there has been those challenges and actually our nature of our role where we're quite um people orientated so we like meeting people we like to engage and that's different over zoom especially when you're signing new customers up so we have found it that bit challenging, but there's so much more to do. Um, and on that point, what we're doing every year, we have um, globally these visions, methods and targets. So which come down from top and then each department have their own. So we will be working in January on those to give us that real focus for next financial year. And we're also going to work with Vicky to re-baseline our five dysfunctions and, and the pyramid of trust. Um, so that we can see where we are and what we need to do moving forward. And the other thing I want to do is I want to work with uh, the Amplifier Group to see what other people in the team we can invest in um, on their personal mentoring. Because uh, going back to the, uh, the, the Disney approach I mentioned, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, the more we can get carrying buckets of water, the more it makes uh, you know, valuable for everybody in the team makes sense thank you so would you give us your three key takeaways on best ways to invest in the future of your team if you don't mind please i'll i'll try and keep it to three sam so first one well if we end up with four i ain't complaining <laughs> no they always say talking threes people remember them so the first one uh invest in your team rewards a tenfold in return uh, and empowering your team is really really satisfying it's interesting because I struggled with this at the beginning because I was sort of overprotective. I wanted to lead by example because I'd done that personally before. But as you grow, that's not possible. And I really got more satisfaction out of seeing my team take ownership and empowering them and what they deliver. So that's the first thing. Invest in your team and you'll get the rewards. The second one is gain consensus on those priorities that you want to achieve on as a team. Once you've got that consensus, you can execute on them. So you need everybody, you need to bring everybody along on that journey. And DISC has taught us that we need to communicate possibly in different ways to different team members to make sure that message is landing. So you make sure that as a team, everybody's pulling in the same direction. And it's a big 
a big focus of mine. I've always been like this. I, I, I don't like going into a meeting and not having some outcome or action. So talking for the sake of it. So what we're keen on doing is bite-sized chunks, incremental progress to make sure that we're delivering things consistently. And I think that's, that's better for your, your personal health in that you're, you, you're continuing to make progress. And then lastly, and really importantly, uh, and this is why I said at the beginning, we're just starting our journey, never take the team health for granted, something what you continually need to reinvest in and continue to work on every day. Brilliant. Thank you. Good summary. Appreciate that. So, Shah, you best take us into hero time. Yes, and I'm so proud because one of the things that Andy and I worked on in our mentoring was how he can be more concise. And he's just done it perfectly. So well done, Andy. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to switch it up a little bit this time. So I always talk first about Hero being the, the brand of the Amplified Group. He's a little stick man. He has a, a cape because he's the hero. But it's not about him being the hero, but it's about making the client and the client being the hero. OK, and that's why we created our little stick man hero. That's his name. Um, but in this case, I just want to have a shout out, um, as uh, Steve Wright would say, and that's got to be to Andy. So, Andy, as our client, you are definitely our hero. Um, yeah, yeah. The way that you have embraced the five behaviours, the mentoring, the thinking about teamwork continuously, the the ability to recognize you need to empower individuals in your team to make that team better has been just really a delight to watch from from a distance because I have been distanced from it because Vicky is doing all the hard work and she has done an amazing job with the team and I'm very proud of her as well but you are definitely our hero um, with that, I just want to ask you then to tell us somebody that maybe you think is your hero or somebody just that you admire or look up to or have looked up to in the past or has developed and shaped the great manager and leader that you are today. So um, I'll hand it over to you, Andy. Thank you, Cher. It's a good job this is a podcast because I'll be blushing on video. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. I've got so many heroes. I mean, first of all, my team are all heroes because this isn't my effort. This is everybody in the team. Um, so that goes without saying. And I, I love sport. So when I first thought about this, I was thinking, well, you know, cycling. Um, and my, one of my heroes when I was younger was Lance Armstrong. I read all his books, what he had when he, he beat his cancer treatment. I was devastated when I found out that he'd been cheating the system. <clears throat> and actually in 2018, Garant Thomas was riding to Sport Froome in the uh, Tour de France. And he was named the foot soldier. So he was there supporting Froome. And um, throughout the various tactics and things, people that don't follow cycling might not know this, but Garant actually went on and won that. And he wasn't meant to as such. He was there to support the lead cyclist. And he was uh, basically a hero. And all the cyclists on all the different teams, because he rode for Sky, went up and congratulated Garant. And, uh, you know, that talks about that being a team sport. Um, so I really like that story. Um, and then the other one um, <clears throat> was Ian Scott. 
Ian was my first uh, boss at SCC. And when I look back, he always put the team first and he was always really generous with his time. And I've learned a lot from Ian that I still use today in my career, 30 years on, more or less. Um, so, yeah, without doubt, if you're listening, Ian, uh, he's definitely my hero. Thanks, Andy. And um, yeah, sometimes our heroes let us down. But at the time, Lance probably inspired you to do certain things. So at the time that he was your hero, one of the things that I just want to mention before I hand over to Sam to do our close is we always talk about the show notes. And you, you mentioned earlier on about the team assessment that we do. On the show notes, we're going to put that team assessment as a sample um, so everybody can see. It's a 36-page report. It is so useful to see where the team is in relation to those five different principles that we talk about. So thanks again, Andy. It's been a pleasure and you've been so concise and so inspiring. And I just want to say thank you again. Well, brilliant. Not much more to add to that, really. But thanks, Andy. That was that was great. Really, really interesting. And I think good for our listeners to get some real deep insight into the stuff that Vicky and Shah um, and the team can bring. Um, so really, really interesting. Thanks again for listening to Get Amplified from the Amplified Group. Your comments and your subscriptions are, of course, as always, most gratefully received. And we'll see you next time.